0: Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. My name is Ross Drakes and I'm your host. And I'm sitting here today with Calvin Yonk, who's the MD of UNO Digital. Welcome, Calvin.
1: Thanks, Ross. Great to be here. Very excited. So
0: we always start the show off with the same question. Um, give us your elevator pitch.
1: My elevator pitch is is I run a company called UNO. We are channel partners to a number of social media and consumer intelligence technology platforms. So we represent them all in Africa and help our local clients benefit from their global presence and expertise. Okay. So
0: so you've been on a journey I man, we've known each other for a while. I yeah. think we met when you were the marketing manager at Demographica
1: wow. many,
0: many eons ago. Can you give us oh. A little bit of a history like how did you did you wake up one day as a small boy and be like that's it social media tracking software that's my calling how did you
1: no, how did you end up here not. so i i actually ended up well it depends how far back we go but uh, i ended up studying computer engineering at, uh, at university thinking that i was going to be in robotics or ai or something like that uh, home automation i think was a big a big one for me and I often joke that if i'd stayed in that i'd, oh, I'd be coining it now because we were right in that home automation ai um yeah i think you'd either be dumb. coining
0: it or you would have banged your head against the wall built a whole bunch of clever prototypes that other people would be making a lot of money yeah, off, true. like now <laughs> yeah, you would exactly. have gone like bankrupt and out of business yeah, and uh, somebody true. else would be coining it right that's now.
1: that's true yeah so so i went into vr virtual reality for a little bit um hated that just not not the not the gig just working behind a screen, coding all day. Um, so a friend got me into affiliate marketing, which I enjoyed. And then from affiliate marketing, I moved into uh, corporate digital marketing. So I ran Celsius digital team for a number of years. I think I was at Demographica in between two Celsius stints. Okay. Yeah. So I was at celsius and then Warren Moss... Um, Pulled me into Demographica and then Celsi pulled me back into Celsi. And I, overall I was at Celsi for about five years.
0: Is this a is this a salary increase strategy? You get a job somewhere else so that your employer rehires you
1: back at a, a massive increase? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a strategy, but it did seem to be the outcome. <laughs> yeah. Because CELSI gave me my own parking space and my own office and okay. yeah. So uh, Maybe maybe in retrospect it was, but no, it was, it was all just circumstance and opportunities. So I had to, I had to take that at the time. Uh, but, but at Cell C, I kind of fostered this love of using tech to scale what a corporate was doing as opposed to throwing people at it. And um, because we were on a small team and everything had to be done um, pretty efficiently. So I had been exposed to some cool tech I realized that my other peers in the industry would love that tech as well if they knew it existed. And so when I started my company, it was all around being a a referrer for um, actually initially a company called Lithium. And I introduced Lithium to a number of local companies and that worked, those companies bought it. And that started this journey of tech platforms, mostly in the social media space uh coming to us really and saying cool see what you did there do that for us and help us enter africa and that's six years ago and it's it's now a thing you know it's a it's an actual business as opposed to me just running around and knocking my no, doors Software. yeah so, so you've
0: been running six years now yeah and i mean what are like you know when you say you're offering tech platforms like what are these what are these platforms what do they do and why do you think people should um yeah. care about it
1: yeah. So so initially we started in how do we, how, how do big organizations leverage these social media channels for more than just marketing, and, and and we focused on customer service and treating those channels as really strong customer service channels, and putting in tech that helped them treat it the way they would treat a call center. You know, if 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 Twitter and Facebook and these channels are scaling at that level. Uh, don't don't put a community manager in front of that. You know, put the right tech in so that it goes to an actual customer service agent who can handle that. Um, so it was social customer care. How do we operationalize that? Uh, we're now, for the last couple of years, been working very heavily in the social analytics and social listening space. So we often say the the social engagement stuff is like your um, like your dashboard or your um, is that thing where all the phone calls come in? <laughs> uh,
0: your yeah. switchboard. Your yeah, switchboard, yeah. yeah. So it's
1: like your switchboard, whereas the social listening stuff is like your radar. What's, what are people saying out there in the um, in the ethos about your brand, your competitors, about their habits, their desires, their needs? Um, so
0: so and, for people who don't know, social listening, mm-hmm. uh, can you just give us a quick description of what social listening sure. is?
1: So social listening, uh, it's a collection of, Technology platforms that are aimed at indexing what's happening on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on blogs and forums. What are people talking about? Um, what are the conversations they're having? And then aggregating that, analyzing it, and saying that there is this trend in people talking about, you know, um, eco-conscious traveling, or uh, that uh, veganism is on the rise and people are really interested in this particular trend, which allows companies who are using that in, in information to either know that they're on the right track or to change their campaign strategies, their product strategies. Um, the, the PR is a large, a large aspect of that because knowing when there's a potential crisis brewing on Twitter, for example, you want to know that within 20 minutes. You don't want to you know, hear about it in the news afterwards.
0: Um, oh, so you, you know. can kind of pre-tell people when this is about to happen.
1: Yeah. So, you know, so, so the, all these tools are primed to pick up on slight increases in, uh, in trends, in crises. And, and one of alerts, are, we call them alerts, are one of those key values, I'd say. So it's, it's around aggregating what's being spoken about in a public space, very importantly, and um, and using that information for analysis but also for reactionary purposes um, and uh, product and marketing development
0: okay yeah Um, I'm going to come back to that just now, but I just want to loop back to something. So you said you were the marketing manager at Celsius and I suppose... Digital marketing manager. Digital marketing manager, sorry. Um, You know, we all sit in these businesses and we look at these massive corporates, and maybe I'm putting words in people's minds. I always have this idea that there's, like, infinite budget and infinite Uh people and infinite, like... You mentioned that you had to do stuff on a small, Mm. small budget. Do these big corporations run tiny little teams with, with zero cash? Or, you know, and what was that yeah, like? Yeah, so,
1: I mean, Celsi is an interesting one because we always thought of ourselves as as almost a little startup. You know, being Celsi, even though they would be third, were not Vodacom and MTN. It's a completely different animal. Um, so everything was done on shoestring budgets, uh, trying to be innovative, trying to outsmart rather than out punch. And our digital team was myself and one other person at any one time in, in the five years that I was there. There was never more than two people in the digital marketing team for SELSI, which I get very jealous of now as, you know, going into all these, my clients and they've got teams of 20, 30 people looking after things and, um, and uh, often wonder how we got anything done. But the way we got it done was we had agencies, strong agencies helping us. Um, we relied on tech, and we just, I suppose, did things a little bit differently. Um, you, you do things differently when you just don't have that headcount and, and budget available. So I, I can't. I mean, I can speak for the others because I work with all the others. Okay. But in that respect, it was we were not this massive corporate that the brand alluded to.
0: Yeah. But but the other guys
1: do. I mean, the other the. The, the bigger, more successful corporates in South Africa are throwing a lot of money at at digital and social. And and one of the things that I think I've noticed over the years is that that willingness to invest in social media as a as a as a channel or as a way of thinking has moved around the company. That, that those budgets aren't all coming from PR budget or marketing budget anymore you know you've got customer service spending good solid money to 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 build up those structures you've got sales coming in you've got still PR and marketing market research realizing what a what an important channel that is so so there are definitely moves to professionalize that uh, that whole sector I think in the in the beginning days, it, when when I started in there, it was have have a junior person shout out of university, man it. The and, youth. Yeah. There's, There's a the, youth they the, understand you. this. Let the youth do exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, but this kid will know. Yeah. And tell me if something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely changed. Yeah.
0: So, so now, you know, if you're uh, sitting in, in in a business, if you want other EO members out there, you know, like what are the things that we should be thinking about, you know, in this kind of space, in the space of using tech in the social space? Like what are the areas people need to be looking and thinking about so that they can, can not get caught out without the right top yeah. software or
1: skills? Um, you, you, you mean like non-corporate? size companies yeah or are your are your tools too big for an organization like yeah so so i I mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't say all the tools are too big but one of the things we 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 often point to is not everybody needs technology to to be able to do it tech can very seldom do more than what a human can do Uh, or or, or let me put it differently tech can very seldom do things that a human can't do at all Mm. it just does more of it you know, so it's about reaching a certain scale. Um, we, we have a lot of mid-tier companies, uh, smaller to mid-tier companies coming to us and saying, cool, we have no social media team. Um, if we buy this tech, will it solve all our problems? No, that's, that's not what it's there for. It's probably the starting point is build a good strategy and a good team and have a good message and kind of drive that until you get to a point where you just can't handle it anymore. Um, and you need to scale, and that's where technology comes in to manage that scaling. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're saying that people
0: need to have like kind of a good strategy around social media and a good strategy for these digital channels. Yeah. How do how do they build that in the absence? Because you know you talked about that social listening. How do you build that in the absence of? kind of feedback loop because i mean everyone probably has google analytics installed and all the stuff but you sometimes you open that stuff up and you look at it and you're like i actually don't know even where to begin you know kind of looking at it
1: yeah i i always feel like you need to start small um we 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 even work with a couple of a couple of really cool companies who from the start they just want to say we want to be this data-driven company and everything's going to be around data and and to me, that's counterintuitive. Is you know the data should underpin a really solid um, value and, and strategy, and guide it as opposed to building everything just on having as much data as possible. I, I personally like to do things in bite-sized chunks. Um, tackle tackle search, you know, by understanding Google Analytics, but understanding the important parts of it. You could you could like you say you could sit in there for days and get lost. I even though I, I used to have to do all that stuff from a in, in, in the salesy space, I can't even look at my own Google Analytics anymore and <laughs> understand what's going on because it just changes every day. Yeah. Um so so take out the core take out your engagement rate and and conversions and focusing on that. And then once you've tackled that, you can start adding on the understanding to to bolster that. Um but it does, I think it does take a, uh, a specialist meaning and not meaning somebody that's been trained, but somebody who focuses on that yeah. as opposed to being an afterthought. Uh, analytics should be the, the realm of a single person or multiple people whose job it is to turn that into something valuable. And unless you have that gap between understanding and um, conversion, into something valuable. It's pointless. You can have it all.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I like that—that that it's potential that these smaller, that that you can start small, and that yeah. it doesn't
1: have to be that
0: you've got to go and buy a million rand tool to to start this off. Um, yeah. But do you see that the value kicks in of the products that you're selling when it becomes too much yeah, for a human scale. being to start you yeah, dealing uh, with?
1: Yeah. I'll give you an example. So one of the one of the platforms we sell is called Hootsuite. Um, and most people know what Hootsuite's all about, but essentially it's a a social media management tool, and it will publish your campaigns out into the world, it'll help you respond, um, and and just give you a view of what's happening on your social channels. That is not necessary if you've got one brand um, across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, doing a post a day and maybe having 10 conversations. You don't even, you don't need tech for that. It's where you're an agency and you're suddenly managing five, six different brands across fifteen different channels. Now you need something to to bring that all together into a single view, as opposed to opening twenty different tabs on your browser. Mm. Um, so there is a there's no golden point, I don't think, but there is a point where manual uh, manual work becomes. Prohibitive and you need to start consolidating and scaling with, with tech. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um and you know, I suppose you you sell all of these tools. What mm-hmm. are you using in your company? You know, like what 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 is the, the tailor's shoes look like in oh, this world? Dude, they're dirty, man.
1: Yeah, they're <laughs> dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um so look, we, we we try and use all of it, but but we've got a couple of got a couple of platforms that actually overlap. So, so, the reason why we use it is not because we've even reached that point where we need it. We we use it because we want to obviously be experts at it. Um, we also want to fill our own platforms with um, with real data, so that when we go and show a potential client, they can see that it's working. So we we're definitely using Brandwatch to understand where our brand is is being spoken about, especially when we're launching PR campaigns and that kind of thing. Um, we, we use it a little bit to understand the industry, but it, it, being a B2B company, people don't talk about what we're selling. You know, there's not a whole bunch of conversation about people discussing various social technology platforms out in the world. So so that's a little bit limited. Um, we only have. So you're the, almost like too niche for your own tool. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> And that, and that's and that's. So someone is discussing it; they probably know what you're selling already. Exactly, and and
1: and the chances are they're discussing it in a private um, niche community, which has been built for that purpose, which is not something that social listening tools tap into. Mm. You know, there's a WhatsApp group or there's a private Facebook group somewhere, or Slack community of people discussing it, not out on you know, public forums. So. So we use it, but not to the extent we'd like to. Um, publishing tools, we we chop between Hootsuite and uh, Chorus, which is what Lithium is called now. And yeah, that's about it. Um, dirty shoes, man. So here's a
0: question, and this is something we struggle with at Nice Work. Is do you think that all companies need social media presence because a lot of our clients that we bump into this is perception that someone's parked in their head that if you're not doing social you're somehow failing you know as a business and that your marketing is not worth its salt because you're not doing social do you think every brand should be on social um mm-hmm. uh, you know and? Mm-hmm. and if yes like do they need to be on every single oh, channel okay. and you know like yeah. and everywhere like
1: do you think yeah. that's that's I'll, like I'll, I'll work backwards I'll work backwards on that so I don't I definitely don't think you need to be on everything um so we as an example are we, we're just trying to find the right time to kill our Facebook page because that's not valuable to us it's not uh, so you're actually going to turn your Facebook yeah maybe I don't I don't know if I'll work up the courage to do it but but that's where our thinking's at you know we've definitely stopped putting a lot of emphasis on Facebook. We're, so for us, LinkedIn is really good. Uh, we've chosen to use Instagram as a bit of a culture window into our culture. And Twitter is a really nice distribution channel to, for updates. So we'll, we'll leverage that those three for now. But we don't have to. Yes. Uh, we could do fine with LinkedIn. Um, I, I definitely don't think it's a good strategy to just be on everything for the sake of being on everything. Uh, to answer your first question about should they all have some kind of presence on social i think it's a wasted opportunity not to be it's there's very few situations unless it's a very volatile industry not to be there's always something it, i mean even if it's a you know a, a thought leadership piece that you put on medium now and again i don't know there, yeah. there is something that can be done, but you definitely don't have to have this active Twitter channel that posts every day. Um, if that's not, if that's not going to work for you. Yeah.
0: yeah, I suppose with all these tools, uh, all these channels, and all these tools, is that it takes time and energy and resource to to keep them up. So even if you yeah. buy one of these tools, yeah. somebody in your company has to actually manage it and sure. make sure that it's connected and full and being used. Because yeah. you can have the best tools on earth, but yeah. if you're not.
1: I often often compare what we do to selling Photoshop, for example, right? So, any of our tools would be something as powerful as anything in the Adobe Creative Suite. But if it's if it's just bought and sitting on the shelf, you're not going to get any designs coming yes. out of it. So, um, it's not around if you buy it, things will work yes. and magically people will flock to you. Um, it is a it is a tool to enable really smart people to do things better and faster and at a larger scale.
0: Now, how do you stay? You know, so you kind of built your business around kind of social media or this kind of like digital space, mm-hmm. and it's a very fast-moving space where things have changed and whole new channel. I mean, like yeah. what Snapchat was huge yeah. and now it's dead, and yeah. now there's TikTok. And yeah. how do you kind of keep? Up to date with what's going on Or is it not yeah. as complicated In the space that you're living in um,
1: I mean it is, it definitely is I think we, we, we We're fortunate In the way things have panned out for us And that we can work with multiple Partners So that if one Industry or part of that industry Changes slightly We have other paths to take Quite easily um, But I think the the key to that is we've we believe we've backed good partners, and those those tech vendors they manage that landscape okay. for us. So so as long as we back the right horse, we'll be pretty be pretty safe. I mean we've we've definitely backed some horses that haven't worked out. Um, <laughs> fortunately, they weren't our kind of primary source of revenue. But as, without naming names, we've 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 got one that we. Um, that we've, we've worked with who's been disconnected from Facebook for contravening Facebook's uh, uh, so data. like rules. one of
0: their primary users is just, or yeah, use cases has yeah. just gone away. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that, I mean, as long as you're building a business built around a company like Facebook, nothing's ever a certainty. Um, so I think our view is we need to have a bit of diversity. We, we can't back one horse the whole time um, and, and keep an ear to the ground uh, to be able to to manage that but i think we i think we've been pretty fortunate in, in working with the right vendors who have seen this you know yes. and they've they've planned for this so and your
0: partners are almost keeping you relevant absolutely. and you don't have to try as yeah as hard exactly okay yeah. now before we started recording you were talking about um you know the sort of challenge you you digging around and in, in your business is is how do you scale this thing now and how do you remove yourself as the bottleneck yeah of of the company can you can you share a little bit about that journey and and what are some of the things that you are are working on i think a lot of
1: um i i think from what i've learned from from eo is it's the it's the ultimate entrepreneurs dilemma you know you you start up a company and you're the primary salesperson it's it's built around your own capabilities and your own network and the the way to scale that is to find really strong, competent processes and people to to take over parts of that uh, with your guidance. Um, And I think and I think I'm at that point where you kind of need to try and struggle with that and solve that is we've got really good people. Can I give them the right tools and the right strategies and, and processes to to run with entire divisions by themselves without me having to micromanage that. Um, And I think there's also a psychological or emotional part to that of letting go. I've currently let go of a lot of the post-sale aspects of things, the client management, um, customer success, support, um, and that seems to be running quite well. Now it's a matter of building up a strong sales team that can run without know me and my initial network that seeded this company um, marketing right now is something you know we've spoken about this is something I need to solve even before I start hiring people who are appointing agencies is how do we put this plan in place and this vision in place that I can hand off to, a hand team. Off to somebody? yeah hand off to a team a person people whatever that looks like and um the 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 long term goal of the company is to be this channel partner for any tech that wants to enter Africa, and the only way to do that is to put these machines in place that can do what we've done up to now without me, Uh, and that's the.
0: So what is something uh, like handing off that you know kind of customer service aspect of your business? Um, You know that's that's quite a dangerous piece to. Sure. to give away like tell tell me a bit about the journey of what like what it was like and you know when you actually hand it off like were you having sleepless nights thinking about it or
1: yeah yeah i mean you know there's there's the aspect of are, are the clients that i've built up over the years being treated the way i want them to be treated and uh you know i can i can definitely confidently say that they are and better because If it was all up to me, I'd be distracted all over the place, and they would never get, you know, the kind of attention they need. So having this focused um, unit, customer success team, helping them out, I think they're in a better place where the toughest part for me has been I don't see my customers as much as I used to. Yeah. I don't know what's happening in their company. So you've lost touch with what's actually happening. I've lost touch with them. Yeah. and, And a lot of them were or are friends and acquaintances from the industry that, you know, you'll see them once a year and you'll be like, oh, where have you been, dude? Um, So that's, that's I think, the the hardest part. And I need to find a way of bridging that, of still being able to be in touch, but not be the one that they reach out to when something It's such an
0: interesting Mm -hmm. dilemma. And and it's, you know, something that I've faced and done well sometimes and badly others is Mm -hmm. this, you believe like the vision I hold in my head is Ross when I had more time and it's like, sure. now, this is how I used to service people and how much time I used to spend and how good I was at making them feel comfortable and yeah. well looked after and that they know the full breadth of your services. Yeah. So they're giving you as much money, but then you kind of evolve and you suddenly don't have as much time. So like you kind of pointed out earlier that you're actually doing a bad job. Yeah. Exactly. But you're, in your brain, you remember this kind of like perfect the state. ideal, yeah, sure. And then you hand off, you know, to somebody else. Um, I've got a guy in my forum, Marco Messeis, and mm-hmm. he said something to me once that I'll never forget. He was like, you know, you need to hand it off onto somebody and be comfortable with the fact that they'll only do it 80% the way you would. Mm-hmm. And that other 20% is for them. It's sure. for them to like put their own flavor of it because they're a their own human with their own personality traits in their own kind of way. So as I'm, you know, kind of I use humor a lot and I'm quite quite direct and I say, you know, things that other people wouldn't say that doesn't necessarily fit with the other human beings that I've hired in my company. Sure, And it'll come off as weird and disingenuous if they try to
1: mimic me. One of the interesting things that I've had to get used to um, and some of my earlier colleagues will will kind of attest to this is I was quite a a grammar Nazi about the whole about the emails you know because I took pride in the way I structure an email and communicate and they would not write emails the way I write emails and uh, and that became this bone of contention that I had to try and fix and after that point you know kind of getting over that you realize say everyone's their own thing they'll they'll make spelling errors and they'll write use commas differently than I do Um, but that's also translated into tonality of marketing and that kind of stuff. And uh, I think I'm at that point in in my journey where I've got to realize that when I hand this off um, and as I do, people will not communicate the brand in exactly the way I've got in my head. Mm. Um, And that's fine. It's probably going to be better.
0: Which is interesting. I've been doing a lot of work in nice work around kind of systems thinking and designing these systems. And it's this idea that where's the line between, you know, like too rigid, as in like we're gonna set up, this is how you email, this is the tone, this is the subject line, this is the cadence, this is the this, this is the this, which is more kind of robotic towards something that's more like along the lines of, you know what, this is the standard, you know, this is what we expect. This is what we want. And and within that, you yeah. as an individual are free to yeah. find the best path. But on top of that, you're also free to loop back around and improve the standard. You're yeah. free to look at the standard and be like, well, I know Calvin wanted email, but we finding WhatsApp mm. is now actually more valuable channel than email. Sure. So we're going to pull that into the whole system. And, yeah. you know, so I think it is this this balance of how do you create something that that maintains the standard that you believe in your head is what your company should be and what your brand should deliver and what your promises are, but is isn't so stifling that it's yeah. you arrive and you go, welcome, here's your 18,000 page <laughs> manual yeah. on how you should kind of do it because no one reads that, no one ever yeah. sticks to it. it. Also, I suppose, puts you in this place of you have to now police this or hire somebody else yeah. to police the system or, or,
1: or, or they get so self-conscious about doing it wrong that they don't do, do it <laughs> yeah or, or do as much as they would have yeah I mean one, one, one of the one of the things that I realized about my um, micromanaging of people's emails is they would just stop leaving me off threads <laughs> you know? and then that was a whole other issue of now I've I've, I've kind of forced myself out of the conversations because they're too scared to include me on it. So yeah, you, you learn these things, I suppose. in the hardware. So how do you? I mean, how have you? What have you? Who have you put in place
0: to free yourself from that full kind of custom experience? Or did you just change the responsibilities of your team?
1: Yeah. So w- well, we've um, definitely people have grown into their positions. Um, more recently, we've hired a uh, a very experienced sales uh, person who. We just worked in Europe and the States, selling software, which is a hard thing to get in South Africa. You know, there's not a lot of software sales, SaaS software sales mm-hmm. people running around. Uh, so that was that was quite nice. Um, our head of customer success has kind of moved through through the ranks at the company, having dabbled in sales and account management, and then um, moved to a leadership role. and And what what we just did there was um, appointed into the role and. Gave him the team and said, "Build something cool out of this," uh, which is which is un- unusual for my usual way of working, um, but it's worked. You know, he's got his own flavor and his own flair, and the team trust him to to guide them through that. Um, and I'll I'll make a comment here and there, but I think it's worked out pretty well.
0: I, I mean, remember. I love that idea that you're kind of giving someone the space to. Yeah, to create their own. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like this growing it internally. So growing that human being from inside the organization because they understand the the subtleties and the sure. flavor. Because we've hired in the past quite senior people sure. and quite junior people, and they both have their downsides So mm. a senior person comes in with a established. This is how I do it. This is the way I yeah. want to do it. This is and that. That's what you're buying them for, but it mm. might not necessarily fit within the organisation that yeah. you you have. And the junior person is going to consistently need like help and guidance and support and coaching. Because if you just throw them in there and leave them there, they'll just yeah. drown and then eventually. Uh,
1: well, what do you? I mean, how have you found? In, as a as a, I mean, so we we're about ten people in the company. So as a company of that size, we've we've focused on almost mid level. People who are half—I wouldn't say halfway through their career—but you know they're, they're not juniors anymore. But they've yeah. they've, they've they've been around um, track a couple of times and catching them on their on their way up and helping groom them. That's how we've kind of built up the company. We never hired really senior people, and we've only just started hiring interns. So it's always been people who two three jobs into their career. Is that a is that something you've seen or found or? or how have other companies that you've worked with structured that, to, you know, do they, do they build a nice big senior team of people who do everything and then build up underneath? Or? Weirdly, I've seen it
0: in both directions. Is so it, we've had some clients where they're kind of super top heavy and they have no executional kind of components. And then they struggle with every month you've got this massive salary bill to cover. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then we've been the other way around when we've hired a whole bunch of really young, really talented, really yes. keen people, but yeah. they need kind of a lot of a lot of guidance. So I'm actually not sure that there is a, mm. a specific route, um, but in my experience, the strongest employees that embody our value and our mission and our purpose the best are the ones that have. Grown in the company, in the company sure. without a doubt. Like, yeah. you know, and we've just hired two senior people and they're great, right. but they're not, they don't have that same like there's there's no replacing a depth of experience and a depth of knowledge and a and an understanding of the organization and a and a history, you know, like just, oh, we've seen this, we've tried that software, this didn't work, this did work, this yeah. is great. Yeah. But this was a complete and utter catastrophe. This wasn't. That's met like in, hugely valuable. Um, okay, I think it's interesting. And um, someone said to me the other day, you know, with your your staff, are you hiring people at bigger salaries than you're paying your existing staff? And it is a thing. I suppose it works the same with clients. Like. Are you, do you value your existing clients as much as you do your new clients? Mm-hmm. Do you value existing staff as much as you do potential new hires? Are you sure. willing to hire this person at a 50,000 rand a month salary? Yeah. Is there someone in that organization, if you said to them, listen, we're going to give you a 50,000 rand salary, mm-hmm. but this is the expectations list or this is what you need to, to deliver? Like, I think if it's the right human being, they'll often, right. often step up.
1: Yeah, yeah. you're right. And a, a lot less... A lot less friction and onboarding that needs to happen that just kind of roll into that
0: i mean i think we all uh, once again putting people words in people's mouth i definitely underestimate how long it takes to onboard someone so that they really understand the organization the tone of voice the the way we do things you know it's quite easy to get product knowledge quite quickly yeah and it's quite easy to get market knowledge quite quickly and whatever who the customer is but Mm -hmm. that like that subtle understanding is something that you only really form over time.
1: Yeah, and one, one thing speaking about about that point, I've I've also realised when hiring and recruiting, which is something I need to wrap my head around now again. We're going into that that kind of phase. Is experience in my sector is not as important as I thought it was. You know you know a year or two ago i would have said i'll never hire somebody if they have not been working in the digital and social space if they haven't been working on similar kinds of tech because it's going to take me so long to to train them but no i mean that's the easy part like mm-hmm. you say the product knowledge is the easy part it's it's passion and hard work and adaptability that really what you need to be looking for and i've just started my started a little course to try to understand that myself you know how do you hire properly
0: yeah, I mean we've we've done a sort of bastardized version of who. I don't know if you've read that book. Mm. It's, it's it's just about like how to hire the right kind of human and it all comes back to the values of your organization if you have the if you've defined your values correctly. Yeah. So like these are the behaviors that we believe make a nice work in. And you you test and hire according to those. Because, mm-hmm. like you say, you can teach someone. Yeah. If you find a really good salesman who's been selling cars. They'll sell software. Yeah, you just need to give them. You know, they've got the process and the the, the way of being. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think looking all the way back around to the beginning of our conversation, like if you have no strategy and no team and no content, buying a tool is not going to fix that. Sure. The tool yeah. is just going to be a more efficient way of delivering that same manual kind of yeah execution. Yeah. Um, and I think hiring is the same thing. If you've got the people who have the right behaviors and the right attitudes and the right approach to work, Mm. you can show them how to sell crimson hexagon or any, you know, like you can teach them that stuff. And and,
1: and conversely, without all of that in place, just hiring somebody is not going to fix it. No. Yeah.
0: Or you'll hire them and then they'll start to dictate the culture of the organization and they'll start to dictate the methods. Mm. Um, And I've seen once or twice, you know, with some of my forum mates, how, Letting the wrong person in and giving them too much power can actually take your organization in a direction you don't necessarily want it to go. Quite quickly, mm. it's true. So maybe there's a new piece of software in here for you. You can design the, like hiring well, the hiring yeah. uh, onboarding software.
1: I think we've actually got somebody in Eo who's building that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but, but watch the space. Yeah, but but speaking of of which, I'm I'm. I'm definitely keen on building something quite soon. You know, I, I remember I think it was Eleanor Craig's son tweeting out the words "buy uh, sell build sell" once, and, I, and it's kind of stuck in my head ever since. Of yeah, cool. I'm, we're selling now. We're selling other people's stuff now. But the goal should definitely be to build something and create something at some point, and then continue to sell, sell that. that. Yeah, um, because as much as I love my vendors, and I'll keep selling them. I want to create at some point you know, that's,
0: that's built in. I suppose is this the, the challenge? Are so you living in the middleman kind of space? Yeah. And a lot of people look at the middleman space and they're like, Oh, that's a great space to, yeah. to sit <laughs> yeah, in because you don't have to build the product or own the product, sure. you just sell it and make the margins. Yeah. And here you yeah. sitting in the middleman looking at the building going like, Oh, if only yeah. I could do ah, do yeah. some of that. Well
1: you have no control, uh, you know, it's as as great as as great as all the tech is that we that we sell, I'd love to have some input, and and we do. But at the end of the day, I can't really go and dictate to them how I think their company should go. Um, Until you're selling like 18 million licenses, yeah, or something. Oh, <laughs> well, 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 next year, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bit, but but it'd be nice to to drive something. So I I, I often look at at uh, my colleagues locally and the guys that are actually building stuff and, and getting quite jealous. Um, and that. Yeah, yeah, so. But it's interesting
0: because you started this company out of an experience or a need that you experienced at Celsius You're like, this is definitely something that, yeah. that people need. And mm-hmm. then you sort of use that as the impetus to create your company. But now because you're selling all of these tools, you've got this weird perspective on multiple tools. Because yes. most people only ever get to assess them. You assess the sales page, maybe yeah. a demo. Yeah. And then you make a choice. So yeah. now all I ever know is I picked Hootsuite, and that's what I'm using now. Sure. I haven't used whatever the competitors to Hootsuite are in a deep enough and long enough way to be like, okay, well that feature of Hootsuite is great. Yeah. And this feature of this thing is great. Yeah. And this piece is super frustrating, and that piece isn't. Mm-hmm. So maybe you are in a great position I, yeah, to build I, something. don't
1: know, I, it, it's so the the one of, one of the primary reasons for starting or doing what I do is. I realized there are some really smart, rich, capable companies out there doing what I thought was important, and that's why I didn't think at the time, let's build something. and And right now, I don't think I would ever build a competitor to one of the the tools that I sell. They're just they're just too good. Um, but but there is definitely something complementary, uh, or, or or there will there will be a, a small piece of tech out there that. That fits into what we currently sell, which I'm keeping my eye out for, and and I would love it to be in the in the dark side of what we're selling because I, you know with this whole you know, with, with social media as a as an entity, you know we're at that stage where we're starting to see all the cracks, and we're starting to see all the dark sides, and um, and I think there's opportunity to remedy. What do you mean that? by
0: the dark sides?
1: Truth, um, you know, I mean, one of those, one of those, one of those dark sides is um, validity and truth and and trust. Uh, don't know what that is yet, but something has to solve that. You know, we I think we're at the the downside of that pendulum in terms of.
0: I think Vladimir communism. Putin and his team are building that tool. If you yeah, <laughs> you no, can probably we have. <laughs>
1: Um, look, I, th- I, mean, I think we've probably missed the boat on that. I'm sure there's really smart people building something there. But that, as well as a number of other things like um, uh, identity theft and impersonations and trolling and bot um, manipulation and that kind of stuff. Deep fakes. Deep and fakes, all that. all that kind of stuff. There's constantly um, downsides to the tech, as with any tech that that's that's surfacing and uh i'd love to fix one of those or more maybe, maybe
0: two i love that yeah but i think with that calvin we are out of time cool. um, thank you very much thanks ross um yeah just to just to close this out you know if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast uh please will you share it with somebody who you think needs to hear it um and if if that's not enough of me to ask you know if you could Give us a review anywhere that you're listening. This really does help us to help other people discover it. Um, you've been listening to Radio, which is a podcast hosted by myself, Ross Drakes, and Rich Mulholland, who's somewhere off in the world speaking to some massive audience somewhere. Uh, Rich, we miss you. Um, quick shout out to EO sponsors, Bidvest McCarthy, Exec Care. You guys are absolutely amazing. Uh, we really appreciate the support. And if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking for a little bit of support and conversations like this, you can go to eonetwork.org. So Calvin, thank you very much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Be. Right. And we'll catch you guys in the next one.